Hello, I'm Russell Howard, and this is Wonderbox. A Wonderbox is a place where you keep the things that remind you of the stuff you adore. So I thought it would be cool to do a podcast where I ask some people what they put in their Wonderbox and have a chat about the most amazing moments of their lives. My guest today is a brilliant comedian who's best known for her intelligent, opinionated stand-up. Her book, The Other Mother, deals with being a mother of twin boys in a same-sex couple. And in her current tour, The Optimist, she tries to fight against her own natural pessimism. This is Jen Brister's Wonderbox. So as ever, uh, I'm here with Jen Brister. Hello. And producer Dan. Hi. So, uh, lovely to see you. I, I don't think I've seen you for years. Russell, what are we dealing with? I don't... I, is it two decades? Probably, yeah. No, it can't be. Maybe like, I feel like it's 20, 2000 and I want to say eight. Yeah. And then I, <laughs> I, I remember sort of I'd see you on the circuit, you were fantastic. And then suddenly I would see clips of you probably about sort of, I don't know, six years ago. And there was lots of, you were lots of you were banging lots of things. Yeah. And uh, you were being really funny and you just had that kind of, you've always had like a real, like proper master of ceremony stage presence, I would say. Oh, thank you. No, but do you know what I mean? Like you were sort of one of those people you looked at home on the stage, but you, you. I just remember watching a clip of you and going, Jesus Christ, she is absolutely <laughs> pulverizing live the Apollo. But you looked like a woman on a mission. It was great. It's 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 because of when it happened. It had that had that opportunity for live at the Apollo happened earlier. Like I, I, I remember you. You will not remember this. Right. You and I. At the same time, we did the gong show at the comedy store. Wowzers. Do you remember this? I do remember that, yeah. And, and Rialina. Yeah, and mm. we we were joint first. Yes. And I blinked and you were on television. Yeah. And you're, and you're on Mock the Week and you were, you know, you were smashing it everywhere. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking, even if I had been given those opportunities, I wouldn't have been able to do it. Like, I, you, you were ready from the get-go. I feel like even if you didn't feel ready you were able to fake it till you felt it yeah it's funny that isn't it it's that I remember similar thing like Jack Whitehall was on Mock the Week when he was 19 and I was on it when I was 26 and I felt young but I remember watching Jack just going how are you able to to be on telly Mm. when you should be at university so let's we should get into the um, yeah. the things. Uh, so the whole, you know, the whole point of these. These are basically things that you adore. We sling them in a box. So, what is the first thing that that Jen Brister loves? Okay, so what brings you happiness? My first item to go into the wonder box is a swimming cap, because I have become one of those obnoxious middle aged women that have started swimming in cold water all year round. Very good for your brown fat. Very good. Thank you, Russell, for getting on board very quickly <laughs> yeah, yeah. and mentioning my brown fat on this podcast. Because Are you familiar with Susanna Soderberg? No, but I want to. The Soderberg principle is the idea that if you do cold water swimming, you get kind of brown fat, which apparently is really useful, helps ward off dementia and Alzheimer's. Well, I am a perimenopausal woman, Russell, so I constantly feel like I have dementia. So, uh, yeah, if that's going to help with that, yes, please. <laughs> is a perimenopausal woman someone that gets the menopause in Nando's? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. It's, it's extra spicy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm really going through it. Yeah, it's, this, this is, a, got, lemon, this a, is a lemon and herb. This isn't a lemon and herb, <laughs> is it? What is perimenopausal? The perimenopause um, is basically the period before your periods end. 
Oh. So like it's the it's 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 the entry point of the menopause. Okay, and right. it's when a lot of women start to get symptoms. So it's when your estrogen levels begin to drop I see. and your um your period starts to disappear. I mean to be honest, I say I'm perimenopausal, I'm menopausal, my periods have gone. But look, th- that's not what you're asking me. Well, I was um, interested in it though. Um it's uh it's you can't have hard. that chat. You can't see that's why we need podcasts. I can't wander up to a middle-aged lady and go, tell me about the menopause. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Certainly not on a day like this. It's hot out as it, it is. It's hot, and I, I think I'm just very grateful for the aircon. The aircon, yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me about the swimming. What what the, is well, the swimming started. I mean, I, I live in Brighton, okay. Yeah. So you know phenomenal part of the world. Absolutely banging. Okay. Mm. I can't, I'm evangelical about that place. But having lived in London all my life and moving to Brighton nine years ago. And so I, I, I did swim in the sea, of course I did, but it would never occur to me to swim past September. I'm mm. like, why would you do that? Like, yeah. That sounds awful. Yeah. And then lockdown happened. If I'm honest, the decision to swim through the winter had actually started before lockdown, but we, we really went for it. So did you swim with a pal? I had a friend of mine, Sean, and we just made the decision that we were just, we sort of said to each other, we're just going to swim through September and October and then we are going to see how we feel. Mm-hmm. And then if, if if we still want to go through to November and December, we will. And then we just kept going. And then obviously when lockdown happened, we were like, this is... Our the, thing. This is the only thing we're allowed to do. Yeah. Want to get away from our children, who I, who I love my children, by the mm-hmm. way, but we were trapped yep. in the house mm-hmm. with our kids and nowhere to go. But it was really life-changing for my mental health. Yeah. I really uh, found lockdown... Tricky, like we all did, yeah. like we all did, not being able to go anywhere, not, not being able to do anything. I was in the middle of my tour and that ended and all of a sudden I was like, are we ever going to go back and do stand-up? Is this what, what, yeah. what are we doing? Yeah, yeah. And swimming, there's something about swimming in freezing cold water and there's something about swimming in the sea. And I think there's something to do with swimming in a, in a, in a, in a big body of water that there's the pressure that that water creates with you in it elevates your heart rate gives you that feeling of euphoria that you get you know that when you swim in the sea anyway but couple that with swimming in in temperatures that are below nine degrees then what you've got is your body goes into (laughs) probably goes into shock Mm. and so the endorphins that you get from it Mm -hmm. were so necessary at a time when I wasn't getting endorphins from doing the job that I love, which mm. is being a stand-up comedian. And mm. so that's what I was doing. And I feel like I'm still doing it. Lockdown ended and I've, I'm still doing it. And I still get the same takeaway from it as I did during lockdown, which that is that it makes me, it just has really helped with my mental health. And I can't even, I can't give you a concrete reason for why that is other than I imagine there's something that it does to your brain and the, the chemicals and the endorphins and all of that. Yeah, you very seldom see stressed out fish either. No. <laughs> but, I mean, look at whale music. Like, if a whale is depressed, you just got to go... And then he's although, fine. Although, did you know that you can tell if a shark is stressed? Can you? Well, apparently... <laughs> Dan's face is like, where is this going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, if you eat shark, you know you can eat shark steaks in yeah. various in not probably not in this country, but in other parts of the world. Yeah. If the shark meat tastes funky, the reason being is that when a shark is killed, yeah. it obviously le- releases stress hormones, and those stress hormones contaminate the meat. Yeah. And so when you eat shark, it tastes. Oh, funky. No, absolutely. That's why I stopped eating old ladies that, what... <laughs> that have been uh, that have been strangled. I was just, your teeth, I was like, the taste there. I could tell they've been through something. <laughs> so unless it's a clean kill, I won't eat old no, women. It's got to go straight through that. That's so interesting. Those theories, isn't it? I heard 
Uh, my friend Chloe said the other day that there is a new theory that some people, when their nipples are touched, they get, <laughs> did you know, listen to Wait. this, that they get uh, nostalgic or sad. So it's a thing called sad nipple syndrome. You are taking the piss. Well, this is what I said to her. So no, but, but it's not it's, a thing, Russell. Well, no, but she was saying it with such sad confidence. And she was like, syndrome. no, apparently there's a thing called sad nipple syndrome, right? I was like, that's interesting. So, but it's the idea that that you, and apparently it doesn't work because I went straight into the bog and had a good, <laughs> had a little, I had a good yank on myself to see if I can get back to 98. <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently, but it's, it's you know, in terms that I guess the point I'm making, it's so fascinating the world we live in that we have access to so much information. Oh, you know, you shouldn't eat shark. Why is that? They get stressed. All oh, right. And then suddenly you're having a chat about nipples, all because the internet is just throwing out a blizzard of truth or bullshit. I mean, it's really hard to like navigate what is the bullshit these mm, days. Mm, mm. Do you know what I mean? And I can't. But I, I guarantee, like, next time your nipple squeezed, you will go to your mind. Am I going to my sad place? And you're going to think, how do I feel? <laughs> I hope it's a happy place, Russell. But if it's a sad place, I'll be thinking of you. Yeah. I'm, I've yeah. just had a quick Google here. Uh huh. Um, what is sad nipple syndrome and do you have it? Are your nipples sad? Sad nipple syndrome, is it a real thing? I mean, there's a lot of evidence here. No, that wait, there you so go. wait a second, but there's just a lot of people Googling is sad nipple syndrome a, a thing? No, we're talking like you've got Metro, HuffPost, all of the credit. The biggies, <laughs> all the cred force. Yeah, if Metro's running it, then it must be true. For heaven's sake, why haven't, why haven't we contacted the editor immediately? So like... But evidently it's a thing where a lot of people have had their nipples touched and then have, have felt sad. Maybe it's the person that's touching their nipples that's making them sad. Do you know what I mean? Good point. Good Do you know point. what I mean? There's lots of people I can think of, if they touch my nipples, I would be bereft. <laughs> true. That's it. Do you know, she makes an excellent point. <laughs> you know, and I think if push came to shove, the worst person to touch nipple, I think straight away, Skeletor. Ske Do you know what I mean? I mean we are going back what in time if we're thinking about Skeletor. What, yeah. you mean He-Man Skeletor? Yeah, He-Man Skeletor, just because his fingers are so it's bony. So there's no flesh there. And it's just going to be a tweak, and then you're like, oh, you fucker. That, oh, depends God. Depends what you're into, the Russell. Sometimes, if, you know, mm. without the flesh, maybe that's exactly the thing. Dan's face, honestly. Scissor I'm just here. <laughs> Edward Scissorhands is worse, you're right. Yeah, yes. Christ alive. Um, that was Where's one of my the nipple gone? outdated scenes. No, so so the swimming cap is specifically the thing the that you're swimming, putting in. Yeah, the reason why I'm bringing the swimming cap into it is because um, I feel like when I'm swimming in the sea, that's the one That's the one item I definitely need. Well, apart from my swimming costume, obviously, if I mm, say. Mm. Um, but in order for me to sort of swim comfortably in the sea, um, a swimming cap, because I lose so... I've, I've, the, the amount of heat that you lose from your head if you haven't got your swimming cap on, particularly in the winter, it's like, forget about it, don't even... And I like to... Most people don't put their head under the water in the winter, but I, I really like to put my head under. Wow, you don't. So um, I definitely need my swimming hat. And and when I'm swimming sort of long distances, like if I swim like a kilometre or whatever, yeah. then I need my swimming hat because otherwise I get the water on my ears. And do you do this? How often do you do this? Well, I've been on tour for like what feels like the end of time. So I haven't swum as often or, or as I want to. But when I... Are you I'm... a bit like Daryl Hannah in Splash when she feels the cold bath? Do you do that at hotels? I mean, all of these references, Russell, are insane. <laughs> I mean, we haven't had a single reference that is, like, yeah. beyond, like, 1982. But they haven't made, like, to my knowledge, there, there isn't a sort of a good, well, you know, aerial... They've never remade Splash, have they? No, and Splash I mean, was... And 
thinking about the plot, I can. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they shouldn't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but do you do you do that? Do you when you don't have access to cold water? No. Do you, you don't have a cold bath? No, because I think it's not even about the cold. It's about it's 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 everything. It's about the swimming. Got you. It's about that freedom. It's about the horizon. It's about um, that the water pressure. It's about being outside. Would you swim outside of the UK? Are sharks a worry? Because I don't know how to phrase this, but you you look tasty. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know that, but you've. Are you you've, saying would I go for a swim in waters where I know there may be sharks? Yes. No. Yeah. I, I've got no kind of. So when you're on holiday. L- I- well, let's go back to the '80s references. Okay. Okay. If, yeah. we, if we let's do that. Right. Let's, let's go. Let's go way back. Jaws has yeah. ruined. Yeah. Any people? I know we've got so much more information about sharks. Often, like mm. it's very rare. Mm. Uh, my brother lives in South Africa. There isn't. Oh. A, there is no sea there that you can swim in where there aren't sharks. I there know. are posters that will say you're never further away than like six or five meters or whatever from mm. from a shark. Okay, mm. fact. And I have swam there, and you have to kind of just put it out of your mind. Yeah. And there are certain points in the day where they go, "Don't swim at dusk. Don't swim at dawn," because that's when they're hungry. That's when they feed. <sighs> they're pretty. They're pretty calm. Like mid m- midday. They're not very active. But who is that calm that you, you that you're confident at the whims of the shark? It's a bit like in Australia. They've got exactly. Is it Darwin? Where I think it's Darwin. Where you're you they're like oh yeah you can swim between like November and January because the crocodiles are fine and the, and the sharks are okay. But see so oh like what, that sounds like ha- Darwin. If but how do they pops. know? Like the, the the crocodiles are like yeah not today mate no it's no it's November so there's an let's... R in the uh, there's an R in the month it's not yeah, exactly. May and June yeah. that's when I get really angry yeah now um, we're like fucking Wycliffe mate I don't I mean the, there's no one more laid back than the Australians about anything that is likely to kill you mm. um, but I don't feel quite as blasé as gung ho no yeah. I think I'm I'm very happy in the English Channel. Will you be one of those? Oh, that's a question. Would you ever consider swimming the channel? Oh no, God no. Really? You no. wouldn't goose? Do you goose fat up? You ever put stuff oh, on? No, God no. no. Like, what is it? What is? The, is it twenty? I don't even know what the. I don't know either. I, I just. Mean, I think it's just a a, a crazy amount of distance. Mm, mm. Um. So and you have to swim like through the night or something. Yeah. My Burr. My dad wanted me to do that when I was a kid. What? Why? Because I'm a sort of I was quite a good swimmer as, as a, I as, bet a young, I can imagine as a young man. Swimming. But he um yeah, but like our dad used to grab us, like run into the sea, chuck us out, and then we had to swim back. So again, eighties oh this is eighties parenting. 80s but like, moved. do you know what I mean? It was like, come on then, and you'd just be like led on the beach, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. trying to sort of See if they were sort of like naked ladies with their boobs out, and then say like, "Jesus, Dad, no, no, I was looking at tits." And then suddenly, you know, you got to swim for your life. Um, do your sons like swimming? They do. Oh, amazing! It's really important that they. Well, if they want to see you, they got to get in. Sorry, kids. If you want to spend time with Mama, you've got to get in the water, yeah. my love. And that, those are the rules. Yeah, yeah. Right, uh, next up. Okay. So I like the look of this, by the way. It's a smell. Yes. And it's the smell of a street in Bangkok. I mean, any street in Bangkok, really. Any street? I think so. Any just street? Just the smell of Bangkok, which yeah. is just fetid. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even going to say it's a pleasant smell. No? Not really. There's many different smells. There's you, many different smells in Bangkok. It's probably when we as humans are our most dog-like. 
when we are just, there's such an assault on the senses. I think you're right, because I don't think, generally speaking, we have a very good sense of smell. Uh, and yet when you go to somewhere like India or, or I don't know, the fecundity of it, because it's so humid, it's just, it, it's in your nose and you can't get rid of it. And mm. I absolutely love that smell. Mm. And Why? the reason... Uh, like when I was young and sort of, uh, I went backpacking as as a lot of middle class white overprivileged pricks do and I went back to Thailand over and over again on this trip because I loved it so much and I particularly I enjoyed all the island hopping and I enjoyed being in the north of um, Thailand but there's something about Bangkok it's kind of it's not clean it's overpopulated. It's incredibly polluted. There are rats. <laughs> there are cockroaches. But there's something about the energy of it, and there's something about the smell that it that, that it creates that I, for whatever reason, I really connect with and I love. Mm. And um, 2012, I had been working at the Adelaide Comedy Festival, and my partner Chloe, she had been doing a job, I, I don't even ask me her job because it's too complicated to explain, but basically she'd been working with a company where she was traveling from various different countries, from Brazil to China to wherever, to do this job. And we had decided that she had this bit of time off between Brazil and China that we would meet in Thailand. And I was about to go on a, like a little mini tour with some other comedians around um, Southeast Asia. So we met in Bangkok and I hadn't seen her for six weeks because I'd done, I'd been in... Adelaide, then I'd gone to Sydney. And so we met in a hotel in Bangkok. I arrived. I hadn't seen her for six weeks. She was waiting for me in the in the hotel room. And she said, right, we're going to go straight down and have some food because I'm starving because I've been waiting for you. And we went down and we just went to like a, a, little, like a little market. You know, everything's outside. Mm. And we sat down on the street and had what can only be described as the best meal of my life. And I'm not romantic, but this may have been the most romantic night of my life. Oh, wow. I don't know why. Just in a way that we had, we really missed each other. Yeah. We were so pleased to see one another. And there was, it was just like, it was just a really electric energy on the streets because it's always packed. It doesn't matter what time yeah. of the day or night is in Bangkok. It's absolutely rammed. So it must have been, I got in at about quarter to 11 at night, so I didn't get to her till about midnight. So we were sat outside in midnight eating uh, an incredible, I don't even, I can't even remember what it was, but this Thai meal that was cooked in front of us. And we spent 10 days hanging out in, in Thailand, just traveling around together. This was before we had children. But that is the moment when I arrived that I remember the most. I can't really remember much else about the, the trip, but that particular time, just the two of us together, yeah. reconnecting after we'd been apart from six, for six weeks, knowing that we were going to be apart again after that. Yeah, it was just really special. And are, the, are you married? I'm not married, but we're just, we are married. Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. been together 17 years. Okay. So. It's a long time, isn't it? And we, uh, you don't fancy the the big fun wedding? I thought you were going to say you don't fancy. I was like, I do actually. Of course you fancy it. Well, I, without wishing to get crude as well, presumably you hadn't seen each other for six weeks, you know. Yeah, you kind of go, great. We, that's, let's, let's get on it. That's, yeah. But but as far as foods before sex, Thai's good because it's light. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, that's what all I'm, of those things. Do you know what I mean? Have a, have a Tom Yum. You like if you haven't seen each other for a while, you have a shepherd's pie. No, it's, it lights out. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. no way. Whereas with that, yeah, it's yeah. very kind of yeah. Also, light. it takes too long with lesbians. You know, you've got to really put the time in. It does it. Yeah. Oh god, yeah. 
Look at the confused look on your face. Well, as it should be. I've, I haven't studied, but it's sort of... <laughs> Are we going to get into it, Russell? If you want to. So, well, but, but I mean, the, the, I mean but that, that's what I love, because you kind of go, so you, you got in a quarter to 11, you went for food. Yeah. And then... You're like, so you're not, you're not kind of getting uh, intimate until at least, what should we say? We went for a long walk. Fuck me. So <laughs> we went for a long walk. We had a beer. Yeah. And, yeah. and then, and then all the while knowing that there's going to be some intimacy. I mean, God, phenomenal. You, about, yeah. I mean, what can I tell you? That was, I was a, a but you, so you got, you got a beer <laughs> and you've got a pad tie in you. And you, st- I mean, that's when you know you're together, isn't it? The noises, I mean, love, the fucking it? noises. I mean, you know, what can I say? We're I very it. athletic women. <laughs> Excellent. But it's so lovely that, isn't it? It's sort of, I wonder whether maybe some things have to be in the memory. Maybe the smell is sort of intermingled with your your partner and, and, and the, the memory so, and the yeah. time and just that moment of like, you know, she looked gorgeous, you look gorgeous. There's this backdrop, the city's playing for you. Do you know what I mean? It, it did. It really felt like that. And and like, oh God, I mean, I hope Chloe doesn't listen to this. She'll literally throw up in her mouth. But it, it really felt like that. We're two people that have talked about going to Thailand together for a long time. And that there we were together. And we both love Bangkok, which is not a place that a lot of people, I've, I've heard people talk fondly about before because it is such an, like you said, an assault on the senses. And it really did feel like Bangkok was just there for us. Are there other smells that you that you like if if I were to say like your top three smells, so if we assume the streets of Bangkok are one, what would be the others? Well, do you know what? And it's only really since I've been living in Brighton, but I guess and um, I love coming out in the morning because I can smell the salt. I yeah. can smell the sea air, and I love that. And I don't think I'll ever get bored of that. What about sharpie pens? Yeah, I mean glue actually. Glue, Just glue, petrol, uh, fresh. Thinner. I tell you what is absolutely wonderful. A uh, a newborn baby's head. Not like new, new, newborn. I'm no, not about... In fact, definitely not yeah, new, yeah. new, new, newborn. But the kind of... You know when you, I've got like, you know, loads of cousins, nieces and nephews, that smell of like... You've got to know the baby. Do, don't <laughs> go picking up a random baby and having a little cheeky sniff. You can't swoop in. But you can't. if you know them, and it's just that lovely kind of... Uh, I do like the smell of my kids. Is that? I know that's weird, but they, there is something like... Do they, they, that's a good point. Do they... They still smell great. But do they... That's so interesting. Of course you must love it. I love their smell. Yeah. I love it. Here's a thing. You know how, as humans, we love the smell of our own farts? <laughs> does that... Does that happen? Do I love the smell of my children's farts? Yeah, I don't know. No one's ever Absolutely asked that question. Absolutely not. Okay, fine. That's what I dealt with. No, literally. I mean... Both what, of you were shaking your head. Dan oh was really God, vociferously... <laughs> No, absolutely. Honestly, Russell, as much as I love my children, the smell of their farts, watching them vomit, or none of that is no, a joy for none me. Of it works. I'll do it. I'll deal with it. Yeah, but yeah, do fine. I like it? Nah. Right. What is the next thing you're popping in the box? My headphones, whichever oh. headphones I own at the time, because Lord knows I go through them. Yeah, in it bind. Like, just the amount that you lose over the years. Sweet Jesus. Well, I don't know. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you do you find... Are you one of those people that doesn't know where your wallet is, doesn't know where your keys are, and you lose stuff? Or are you like, no, I, I just know where stuff is? I don't have a wallet because... What? If I have a wallet, I will lose everything. Whereas if I just have my cash card, as I'll show you Isn't now... Dan is nodding. So that's all I got. So I've got that. Because otherwise I'll lose it. It is 
it's ridiculous. Oh, this is really but it's a bit. It's, so I my wife, this. it just. I'll come in from a gig. She'll come downstairs, and it's it's so. She'll sometimes take take photos of the front room because there'll be a bowl of cereal just randomly to the left, trousers off, <laughs> um, like like a half scribbled note, and it's it's like. It, it, but I'm not doing it on purpose. We've had quite long chats about this where you just go. And I remember living with comedians in Edinburgh. I remember Andy Zoltz was going, um, there's a fucking uh, <laughs> half a bowl of cornflakes in a bath. Anybody? But it's just this awful part of my brain where I'm like, I don't need that anymore. Just pop that there. That's where that goes. And then just drift off. I do that with cupboard doors. I think you always know when I've been somewhere because every single cupboard door is open. Yeah. I'll, go, I'll just open every door and I go, no, it's not there. Okay, I'll keep walking. It's not there. It's not there. And then I'll go, well, it's not in any of those. I guess I'll keep opening and I'll wander out. Yeah. And Chloe's like, can you just, when you've opened a door and there's nothing there, do you mean the courtesy of closing the door? And it just doesn't occur to me. I, I... Well, it's having a rational brain. Like, I don't know what your partner does. What does your partner do? Oh, she's a project manager. So there you go. Utter pure logic, things in order, that makes complete sense. Same with my wife. My wife's a doctor, similar things. You can't feel the uh, the symptoms. you got to know the symptoms. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting, what, what's the energy? What's the vibe here, yeah, guys? Yeah, exactly. There's no vibery in, in medicine. But that's what we are. And it's like, I was trying to explain, because we're moving house. My wife's quite anxious about, you know, moving from London to a different part. You know, so, okay, cool. I get all that. The main fear I have at the minute is my dog's got a bad paw and I've seen a fox near our garden and I'm worried a fox will eat him. And that's the difference. Like, do you know what I mean? Hers, completely rational. What's it going to be like to relocate? Mine is, fuck me. There's a fox out there. He wants to eat my dog. And, and it's, but I think that's the brains we have. Obviously, at times, it must be maddening for your partner for you to lose headphones and keep cupboards. Everything. But it's also, she's probably fond of the chaos. Oh, my God, is she fond of the chaos? I, I mean... She's got to be. You're still together. I think we're still together, so she will accept that that is something she has to put up with to to, to be uh, in my company. So I, I, I really... I, that's a stretch to say she's fond of it. So presumably, as you put headphones in the Wonderbox, what, what does music mean to you? So I can say I do not think there is a day that goes by that I don't listen to music. There isn't. There isn't yeah. a day. Yeah. And um, if I'm if I'm not going out uh, and I don't need my headphones and I am going to be at home all day, I will put music on. Um, I can listen to music while I'm working. Chloe's like, I don't know how you can do that. So I can't listen to every kind of music, but there are certain types of music I can go, I can put it on. I listen to a lot of sort of, I, I guess you would call it neoclassical music, like, um, composers like Max Richter and Oliver Arnold and oh, wow. um, Luke Howard and uh, Erland Cooper. And there, that for me is, I find that music really calming, really beautiful. And the, I think also the reason I love music so much, and I don't know if you can relate to this, is because I cannot do it. Mm -hmm. I cannot play a musical instrument. Mm -hmm. I'm teaching myself guitar at the moment. Dear God. Yeah. Somebody said to me, a friend of mine who can play the guitar, Anyone can play the guitar, Jane. No, 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 no. Absolutely anyone can. No. Well, I've proven her yeah, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I've proven her very wrong indeed. I think one of the best things about music is, you know, when you hear a song that you adore and you hear it the third time. So the first time you're like, oh, I like that. Second time, oh, I really like that. And third time, when you you're know in. you know what's coming. Do you know what I mean? And it's that's what's so wonderful about music, that it it sort of it rewards multiple listens. And and there are very few 
with that level of immediacy, like arts, comedy, it, like no one's watching a comedy clip More eight, than once. eight <laughs> times in a row. But do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's so funny how it, I'm trying to think it's probably the one art form that you can just go and go and go and go. Funny. And, I, and, and that is, I think that is why I, I, I love it so much. Yeah. Is, is because of that. And even when you get to that point where, I don't know if you do this, I do this, I'll kill a song. Like I'll just listen to it. Listen oh, yeah, to it, yeah. It's like, okay, well, I've absolutely ruined it for myself. But I know also, I'll just put that on the back burner. And she'll come back. And I'll, and I'll have a little cheeky listen in three months and I'll love it as much as I did then all over again. So I had a similar experience in 1988 with mini cheddars that I just went <laughs> big, but I went, I went too big. And I thought that was me and Cheddar's done. And I'll be damned if they didn't come back into my life last back? year. Yeah, yeah. They came back in glorious Technicolor. I did that. Hello, old friend. <laughs> I did that with those seaweed things that you get at sea. Oh, I know them, yeah. You know my those? wife loves them. They, I mean... Jesus, you really like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking very, nuts. Yeah. It's not connected to the sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not interested, actually. Um, yes, it's prawn crackers and seaweed uh, things yeah, all the way man. for this lesbo. Uh, I uh, yeah well the, so the thing with the headphones is the reason why I have chosen to put that into um, the vault is because um, I can't really cope being travelling and being out of the house without a pair and if I do find by some terrible kind of um, coincidence that I haven't brought them with me I'll just go out and buy another pair and oh, I don't yeah. even care how expensive they are like I'll, I'll go into WH Smith and go what, what have you got the, what these are only 60 quid fine fuck it and yeah, I, I, yeah. You, you know like I, I've spent so much money on headphones like my like Chloe's just like we just don't need yeah. any more headphones in the house and yeah. I'm like yeah but I just needed to buy a it's it's amazing isn't it that we now live in a world where you sort of take it for granted that you have on your person every song you adore and access to every song in the world just all the time. I know, and I don't know. I'm conflicted about whether that's a good thing or not because right. it's really changed the way I listen to music. And yeah, it, it, we consume albums less. I'll tell you what I heard for the first time, this is how bad I am. I'm terrible with music, but uh, Patti Smith, um, uh, Because Patti the Night. Smith. Yeah, love Patti Flipping Smith. Flipping hell. What a song I've that is. I've seen her live about... I think three or four times, and she's never not incredible. Oh my god! But that's—I think—that's the the brilliance of music when you find it, and that happens from a very young age. When when you f first find a song and you're like, "This is, this has been made for me." I I feel it yeah. so deeply, honestly. And then I will play it and play it and play it. And I the worst thing is if you do this, where you just because the night belongs to lovers, because, and then I just keep saying it. <laughs> The, the, and really? it just, yeah, I'm are the worst. I was in a gym. Do you know Kendrick Lamar? Yeah. There's a refrain where he kind of goes, Oh, America, you bad bitch. I picked cotton and made you rich, and now my dick is not free. And I was singing that in a sort of just communal area of a gym. <laughs> and then it, so it's pretty weird. But when you factor fame into that, it's <laughs> fucking weird. Really like, weird. Like, this guy's going, <laughs> You're not going to guess what happened. I was in yeah. the gym. And then Russell Howard started talking about his dick. <laughs> yeah. And that he set America free. But it's I, like, I'm. I guess the question I'm asking is: Are you a lyrics person, or are you a beat person? I think I'm more a beat person. Okay. Um, I, I'm just one of those people that never remembers a joke and never remembers lyrics. Right. Okay. Are you a dancer? Oh yeah. Yeah. See, I, I can't. Dancing. I can. Re I can remember lyrics. 
but I can't dance. I've well, nev- I mean, I don't know if I can dance, to be fair, Russell, no, but, but I I've, will dance. But I've never got to that level of uh, confidence, which you always find, it's kind of weird when people hear that if you're a stand-up, but I just, there's something about dancing, I can't lose this sort of internal rigidity. Do you know what I mean? The thing the thing about stand-up comedy is it, if people think it's about letting go. It's the absolute opposite. <laughs> yeah, it's about yeah. being in control of absolutely everything. Yeah, yeah. You're in control of the room, you're in control yeah. of what you're saying, you're in control of the rhythm, you're in mm. control of the timing, the pace, everything. You're in control. Yeah. And I think there's a bit about dancing which is about letting go and mm. and, and and you know, it's not about whether you can dance well or dance. I'm, I'm not I'm not a good dancer yeah. but it's not about that it's about how it makes me feel when I just allow myself to let go I love it I love because I, I love watching people dance and I just think when someone people have got it and they're free and they're I don't think I've ever watched anyone dance and thought oh god what are they doing I yeah, just, exactly you, you don't think like that you're like look at that whether they can move or whether they can't it's kind of irrelevant if somebody is like going for it it's so fun and freeing to watch That's such a good point yeah. and yet we if you're the nervous dancer all you believe is that people are judging you yeah no which of course judging. they're not yeah. no one gives a no, shit no one gives a shit i mean that's how i mean dancing's how i got together with chloe really yeah she wanted to learn how to do the running man guys and my... <laughs> This guy had to teach her. And, uh, what, where, where did this take place? It took place in a hotel in Barcelona back in 2006. That's a great February. start. Yeah. So, so hang on. So we're in Barcelona, 2006. Yeah. And how did this come apart? That- so I was, uh, spoiler alert, still struggling in my career as a stand-up comedian. And a friend of mine had created an event in Barcelona. And she said, we need a couple of people that would like to do some role play in it. Uh, it, it's, it was basically an event for a big pharmaceutical company that had to go around and, and to make them more empathetic with their customers. Anyway, I had to pretend to be a pharmacist. Look, don't question my choices, yeah, yeah. okay? I got to stay in a five-star hotel in Barcelona for a week. I was for like, pretending yes, to work at Boots. Pretending That's all right. Boot, yeah, pretending to sell aspirin. I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, sure, yeah. I'll do that. Um, you got a club card. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sorry, listen, if you haven't got your advantage card, just yeah. keep holding your receipt. And yeah. Anyway, so I did that, and part of the job was also having to dress each room. So to make Because we were in a hotel, so it isn't a pharmacy, so we had to dress it to make it look like a pharmacy. Chloe was there. And she was one of the people dressing dressing the room, not role playing. Yeah. And um, anyway, we sort of got together at that point. But she wanted to know how to do the Running Man. Well, I don't even know if she did, but I thought. <laughs> you, hang on a minute, you didn't go, up, go up to her and go. Do you know what the Running Man is? Do you want to know what it is? What's this? Oh, this what? girl's never heard of the worm. Crank it, Alan. I explained it. That's what I did. I went. It's a sweetheart. You probably yes, want to know what? Well, Running Man. Here we go. Have a sit down, um, girl. I, I think I was showing off and I was probably doing some really bad dancing. In my head, she came to me and said, oh, how do you do, how do, you do that? And then oh, I went, oh, okay, let me show you doing, babe. And to this day, we were running man together. Oh. I'm making our relationship sound a lot more romantic than it is. Next it says here, You've written down. Actually, do you want to tell us what it is? So I've got two little bunnies, mm-hmm. okay? They were my children's bunnies. Now, when they were born, I've got twins, um, I think three or four months. Yeah, they were about three or four months old. And my very good friend, Marcus Birdman. Great comedian, by the way. Brilliant comedian. Probably on tour as we speak. He's on tour. Go and see him. Uh, Platinum um, is the name of his uh, tour. Do go and see him. He bought my son's two little bunnies. 
the reason why I want to keep these two bunnies is that even though they're eight years of age, one of my sons will not sleep with any cuddly toy, but the other, that if he is going to sleep with one, he'll sleep with his blue bunny. Mm. The other one, he has sleeps with a bazillion cuddly toys. He's a cuddly toy crack addict. But his favourite is Scruffy Bunny, which is his green bunny. Oh, it's called Scruffy Bunny. It's nice. called Scruffy Bunny because there's Fluffy Bunny, which is the new bunny, and there's Scruffy Bunny. Mm-hmm. It's weird that they're both called Scruffy Bunny. I was like, you guys need to get an imagination. Anyway... My kids, when they're naming their toys, very literal. If they've got a giraffe, what's a giraffe called? Tommy. Giraffe. Oh, okay. Yeah. What's the hippo called? Hippo. A fast, a fast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It might be. You can't. You can't call a hippo fatty. No. <laughs> it's not allowed. Not anymore. No. All's changed. Yeah. Um, and they, yeah. So they love these bunnies, and I think um, I, if I, both Chloe and I are like, even when the kids are they're out of all of their toys and, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be done with all those things. I think we're going to be... We know that we're keeping those two, oh, two they're, bunnies. Oh, they're forever. around forever. They're, they're around forever. And they're, they're coming out definitely for the 18th, definitely for the 21st. Oh, probably. Definitely at the weddings. Oh, they're coming out, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then um, probably pop them in the coffin when they die. <laughs> I'm just saying, that'll be the journey. <laughs> Jesus, Russell, I hope I'm not there for that bit. I'm just saying. No, no, I, I, I hope you're not either. Yeah, I really hope not. <laughs> but what I'm saying, and listen, what the per- that's the perfect way for an optimistic podcast. But it's so it's that you can't choose that. That's that. Those no, are the, you those can't are the toys. Choose that. Um, Do they still have their own eyes? Have the, the eyes been bitten off? The noses? Are they how scruffy are we talking? Are they? They're pretty scruffy, but they're like they've got their eyes. They've got the noses. They've even got their little bunny tails. Have you ever bought a present where? It's gone badly. Oh, my God. I bought one of my friends on her 40th birthday a spoon. Well, is she a heroin addict? What's the... I mean, <laughs> good question. Just uh, one spoon? She, I don't fucking know what I was thinking. To this day, I look back and I think, why did I buy her a spoon? It, it's a decorative spoon. I can't yeah. even justify it. I, 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 it I, did you plan the it? the most awful present I think she's ever received. Yeah. Um, Did you see all the other presents being opened and oh gone? Oh my god! I, I kind of, I think she got a, like a case of champagne from somebody, and then yeah. I turned up with a spoon. I don't even know what I was thinking. I, I, I remember seeing this spoon, and Chloe went, "That's beautiful." And I went, "Is it beautiful?" And she went, "Yeah." And I went, "Is that is that a nice present?" And she went, "Yeah, I think that's a lovely present." And I went, "Okay, I'll get it for Judith for her fortieth." And she opened it and went, "Why have you bought me a spoon?" And I went, "Um, <laughs> that's I, I love the honesty. Absolutely. I love it. I'm forty. I'm fucking 40 exactly. and you've got me like, a... this is this is a monumental I was expecting something Did you lie? That's that's when you lie because that spoon was owned by the queen. I was like <laughs> that spoon was handmade <laughs> all the way from Dorset <laughs> which it was actually it did come from Dorset. I think she could see there was a panic in my eyes and she went you panic bought that didn't you and I was like mm, yeah yeah I did. But I think I've made it up to her since. I think. How? Uh, it's her 50th coming up soon, yeah. so really oh, the mate, pressure's on, mate. You've got to get her a knife. I can't. Can you... <laughs> Just get her a knife, and then when she's 60, <laughs> get her a fork, and then every decade that gets funnier. But that's get her a that, serving spoon. Totally. You just, uh, like, you just keep going and going and going. Just a cheese knife. That's how, that's, that's how great how things begin, go. man. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Do you know, there is a little bit of me that thinks I should turn up with like and a then, decorative fork. And when she dies, you put them all in her coffin. <laughs> this is the why way it works. Why is everyone dying? I don't know. My dog's not well. There's <laughs> a fox trying dog. to fucking eat. I am worried about my dog. He just... Your dog is going to make it, Russell. I hope so, yeah. He is, he is. I think he'll be okay.
Hello. Uh, it's, it's, this is the awkward moment in it where I flog tickets, but I'm doing a tour in America uh, in October and then uh, some more gigs in the UK in November. They're kind of mostly so. Anyway, if you want to go, and I'd love you to come, uh, you can book tickets by going to russellhoward.com. Right, plug over. Let's have a chat again. Right, let's make it less morbid. The final thing we have here to pop into the Wonder Box is I'm, lo- I'm looking mum Chanel. Yeah, so it's the number 19 perfume. Mm-hmm. So my mum, who died last year, wore three different perfumes, yeah. one of which was um, Chanel number 19. Mm-hmm. And um, the reason why I chose that one over and above the other ones, which were, I can't even remember what they are, is because when I smell it, like if I, if I can, you know, when you walk through, I don't know, a department store, you're in... Body shop. Well, Claire's accessories. you know, Heathrow Airport or yes, something. Yes, better, yeah. Um, when I when that smell comes up because it does because everyone's like spraying Chanel left right and center yeah it just it's just a re- it will always conjure up my mum no yeah but it, but not in a not in a sort of I mean it's in a nice yeah in a nice way yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. like it she just appears what is the do you have like a, a kind of memory that comes back or is it just a myriad well I think because she always used to bloody wear it you know and it's not it's not cheap perfume and yeah. my mum my mum had an expectation that. She would never pay for it. That was was rule number one. My mum never paid for any of her perfume. Right. So she would just give me a phone call and go, I am, Jennifer, I am running out of Chanel. Okay. And that was like, okay, you want me to buy you some more Chanel? Whenever you can, Jennifer, buy me some Chanel. So, um, uh, yeah, so I... I, I I I can't really remember a time when she didn't wear it actually. Yeah. So I think for a time she must be paying for it for herself. But as soon as her children started making money, she was like, "I'm not paying for this anymore. <laughs> okay, it's free." Um, so my between myself and my brothers, we would we take it in turns to buy one of those perfumes. So it would be Dior Essence or the Chanel or whatever. But Chanel was always the most expensive, and I did always find myself being the one that had to pay for that one. And do you have a specific perfume that you wear? Um, I do, and and it's cheap. Okay. It's really cheap. Whereas it? my mum had incredibly expensive taste when it came to perfume. Whereas okay. I don't. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is. I think it's Jill Sandler. I can't even tell you the name of the perfume, but it's so like nobody wears it. Jill Sandler doesn't sound like it doesn't, it doesn't does sound like Jill I'm, Sandler I, sounds like somebody who used to play golf and gave up and went, Oh, I think I'll just get a perfume. That's it. I'm imagining the advert and it's just her going, <laughs> It's all right that <laughs> Jill Sander no, for the woman who can't be bothered. Do you know what? Maybe it's not. <laughs> Jesus, that's better than fucking sweat, isn't it? Like, why is there not a normal? I don't know what it's got. Why isn't there a normal perfume ad? Why? Why are they also always so esoteric and like it's never they just a woman going, "Yeah, that'll do." The Chanel it? ones are the worst. Yeah, but it's always like unicorns and then Johnny Depp and there's a wolf. Well, it's a woman running through a street barefoot in a nighty. Yeah. Or they're on a horse, aren't they? There's always horses. They're bareback on horses. Come on, in a nighty. Yeah, no. exactly, and that's it's. Gonna it's also like have you seen the Johnny Depp one there's a wolf and he's playing guitar and it's clearly because Johnny Depp likes playing guitar but he's just rocked up and and there's like can I play my guitar and he's like yeah if you want want, yeah yeah yeah. can you imagine anyone else trying to sell perfume like trying to do that I don't know well that's the funny thing with Johnny Depp Johnny Depp looks like he smells of fags and wine he, he looks like he's he, he, like, absolutely nobody wants to smell like Johnny Depp. Absolutely, he, he smells but, of despair. Yeah, they're, but they're all the same. Like I, I can't imagine you look at Johnny Depp and go, "God, fuck, man!" You'd be like breathing through your teeth. 
Yeah. Like, but <laughs> do, like, yeah, do, but they so all, true. DiCaprio looks sweaty. <laughs> doesn't I don't he? Say, I don't, but this is it. And these are the guys that are always selling the perfume. I'm, no offense to Jake Gyllenhaal, he does it as well. But I, he looks like a guy that you 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 wouldn't want to follow him into a toilet. Do you know what I mean? He looks <laughs> like the kind of guy that when he drops one, it's yeah. like you don't go in for a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. These are the guys. High that are protein diet. Their, yeah, yeah, Jesus Christ. But he ate he's, fifteen chicken breasts today. Do you know what I mean? I think he's got some sort of irritable bowel. They're, these are the guys that people that men want to buy. Do they? Do they? Do they? No, men I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a celeb who I think smells nice. The Rock. Looks like he smells nice. Idris Elba. Idris Elba, yeah. I think Idris Elba smells delicious. He's just got a look about him. I go, yeah, you, you, I think you smell good. Yeah, I like the noise that my mum makes when Idris Elba comes on the telly. Oh, my God. My mum was the same. She was like, I, he's, he is a very, very attractive man. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. It's I'm the, like, you're it, in your 70s. Calm down. But it's really serious. It's that kind of like, <laughs> that's what I love about it. That a sort of a calm descends over all women of a certain age. And they're like... <sighs> right, and it's like they're it's passing incredible. on like ancient wisdom. Like it's not only all, like... j- all joking aside. <laughs> he is a very attractive man, but it's that sort of breathless. I love it. It's you... sort of certain men just do that. Certain women, I guess, are the same. Do you I know what I mean? So, to like, yeah. Well, to... you don't. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess. Who did you fancy growing up? Oh my god! Because I'm like instantly, I kind of go to like. Heather Graham, I remember. Who did I really like? Christ. I also really liked the look of Ian Wright. I like, in terms of a, like attractive men, I was like, oh, he's, he's a, good, a very good looking. He's guy, a good looking Ian fella. Wright. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they used to have a song about him. Ian Wright, right, right. That's it's never. Not, it's not the best song. It's not the best song. No, I'm just saying it's a song. Yeah. Anyways, how about you? Um. Well, when I was a kid, I think I had a big crush on River Phoenix. Okay. I don't, I don't think I did. I did. Yeah. Because I think he was actually sort of looked a bit like a girl to me. Anyway, I think I had a crush on Stephanie Powers, Jennifer Hart from Heart to Heart. Oh, my God, I'm really showing my age here. Let me have a look. Do you not remember Heart to Heart with Robert Wagner and Stephanie Powers? Oh, when they got together, it was moida. Okay, Dan, Do you remember that? find me Dan. A, a picture. Well, yeah, here we go. When, now or then? Then. All of the Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Uh, Cagney from Cagney and Lacey. So what, we're talking like 11? <sighs> so, no, I'm younger than that. So when you were nine, eight, you were into nine, ladies eight. that wore shoulder pads? I don't know. The thing is, I had crushes. Okay. So, the, so I don't know if I can attribute it to anything sort of sexual, do you know what I mean? But I definitely had a fascination of like, with women yeah. and beautiful women and beautiful girls and... I don't, I just, just in as much as I wanted to be, I wanted to have that sort of proximity, but not in a way I was like, oh, I fancy. I don't yeah. know if I would have thought that. With hindsight, I can say, yeah, that's, you absolutely fancied that person. Yeah, yeah. But at the time I was like, I guess I just really like their company. Yeah. You know? What is it like? This is, obviously feel free not to answer this because it's it's very personal. But when you, you clearly have very, um, had a very sort of tight relationship with your mum, is that is it just utterly devastating when when you lose that person? It, it's obviously personally, it's a huge tragedy yeah. because it's my mum. But I think in the grand scheme of things, and also I feel sad for my mum because she had you know more years and yeah. more life, and yeah. and that's what I would have wanted for her, and I'm pretty sure that's what she would have wanted for herself. But looking at it as a, sort of as a personal thing, I was I don't know forty seven when my mum died. Yeah, is that? A huge 
tragedy to lose somebody when you're 47, when you lose your parent when you're 47? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, you can... I have friends who lost their parents or one of their parents when they were, you know, a teenager or in their 20s or even in their 30s, and I think it's much, much harder yeah. then. My children were born, my mum got to meet my kids. And, uh, and properly, like, you know what I mean? That's, uh... That's That was really important for her and, and for me. And for them. And for them, of course. It's a, it's a tricky one. It's a personal tragedy for me. It's not something I wang on about because there are, there are bigger yeah. tragedies. And, and I think when you get to my age, the expectation is people are that you love will, yeah. will die. And that's just part of life. Is it difficult? I mean, I'm incredibly fortunate. I haven't gone through... I mean, I've, you know, I've had people that are close to friends of mine die in unimaginably sad ways. Is, is stand-up... Is it difficult to do that when you're going through that? Is it a release? You know, because you you have to be someone's night out yeah. when, when you want a night in. Is it, Do you know what I mean? Or is it just a beautiful mask you can wear? On the whole, I think doing stand-up comedy is a really... I think it's a really useful tool and I think it's a positive thing to do. Mm. And I think you'll know yourself when you've been low or when you've been depressed mm. and you've and maybe there might even be a part of you that goes that is the last i don't want to go i don't want to do this fucking gig i yeah, just can't yeah. even face it yeah. and then you go and you do the gig and you smash it and you find that for that hour or that 50 minutes or whatever whatever however long you're doing mm. you're not thinking about the fact that you're sad mm. and then you walk off stage and then the adrenaline goes and you're like oh yeah i'm back where i was before yeah but the 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 time that you're performing is as mindful as you and I probably will ever be in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is on stage, is in that moment where we're dealing with an audience, with ourselves, with with the room. Mm -mm. And how long is, because you're on the never-ending tour, which, when did it start? It started September last year, so September 22. And it runs until? November 23. Is there a particular gig that you're looking forward to? Um, I'm doing, well, there's loads because um, this is the first time I've been able to play big rooms yeah, in, in my career. So, so are you doing the Brighton Dome? I'm doing the Theatre Royal. Which is incredible. The Theatre Royal as a performer is absolutely such a banging room yeah, to play. Yeah. And in the same vein, I'm doing Hackney Empire. Oh, wow. And that I'm really excited about. What, you got any backstage uh, rituals, habits? What are we dealing with? I'm very relaxed. What's your rider? Water. That's uh, all I get. You just Am get I, water. I, to, I didn't know I was allowed to ask for anything. Oh, you get to a certain stage, you can have fruit. <gasps> uh, yeah, I got <laughs> a belly full of blueberries oh, at all times. Oh, my God. Yeah, no. Yeah, that's next. Yeah, blue, um, bananas, protein so bars. I don't really... I was really briefly hungry. working out before gigs at an arena. That was a mistake. I went on fucking exhausted. I kind of had this idea of like, let's get some weights backstage. Like, I don't, I don't what know. The I don't are you know. Thinking? Listen, who knows what's going to happen? Do you remember the adrenaline you're using? What, the, especially when you're playing rooms where there's like ten thousand people yeah. in there, and I can barely lift the mic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. But I was, I was like, that was a that was a bad Russell, mistake. What the hell? Yeah, we only done it once. I felt sorry as well because my tour manager had to like load them in. How many weights are there? We got we got a full rack. Oh, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, it was utterly absurd. This it, is such a bloke conversation. I'm, was, obviously, I'm trying to relate, but, but I was, can't. Okay, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Okay, because I've never played room, room of that size. Yeah, yeah. And, and what's it, what does it feel like to be going out on a stage to play a room of that size? Does it feel intimidating? To, do you feel like you need to fill the space? Yeah. I mean, what? 
Right, okay. Yeah, so it feels like you have to have back-of-the-room stuff. It feels like everything has to be a sledgehammer. And then once you've done half an hour of sledgehammering, you can sort of feather in bits that are maybe slightly more nuanced or poetic or whatever. And then you've got to start bringing the sledgehammer again. So it feels like it's... If you're a bombastic performer, which you are, it's not that difficult. If you're, if you're someone that gives it, then it's quite hard doing like a hundred seater because people are like, all right, mate. Like, but if you have 15,000 people there and you are throwing yourself into it, you kind of can't go big enough. But oddly, I've stopped doing that and I'm now doing sort of 2,000 seaters, but doing like a weekend in Sheffield. And I loved it for that. I felt like that was sort of the perfect space of... It's incredible. You can have a 2,000 seater and it and it sounds a lot, but it can feel really intimate. Yeah, absolutely. It can be big and small. Yeah. And it's sort of this show and the stories and whatnot i was like i don't know if it feels like arena stuff and i don't i didn't want to be beholden to what what you have to do in there because you have to be their night out and i was like going i still want to be people's night out but i also want to be able to kind of have bits that are sort of smaller without that sense of like people at the back with a foam hand going what mate yeah you know (laughs) (laughs) so it kind of much as i love love doing them it just feels like my rock and roll days are over i think that's fair enough because i think you can I mean, I and I'm. I, this is a personal thing, but I think it would be. It's it's almost like a, a box ticking thing. We go. I'd love to be able to do that. Definitely I've done it. Okay, great. As a comedian, in order to do the stuff that I want to do yeah. creatively, yeah, I need to go smaller. Will you be doing stand up forever? Are you... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was, can you? Uh, such sad. Uh, yeah. 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 But I, yeah, it's funny because I've, I've we're moving out, so I had to sort out a mortgage. So it's the first time I'd had to sign a mortgage and they go, so do you still think you'll be working um, when you're 66? Which is when it kind of goes oh up God. to it. And it was sort of, so odd to kind of go, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's very much up to them. <laughs> like, is it like as a comedian, you can't imagine that just rocking up and going, uh, I've said until 66. <laughs> but I, I just, it's like you said earlier, like particularly when you talk about your mum or you talk about kind of any challenging or joyous moment in life. It's such a mechanism to do life. It's not, I'm not saying it's the healthiest, but it's, it's, you can put anything through that. And the glory of it is you share your thoughts and people laugh. And it's basically the universe's way of going, I fucking knew I wasn't mad. Yeah. Because the laughter is this, that's what the art form does. Yeah. And, and I think what I wanted to do with my show in this, because it's just to be clear that my show is not a dead mum show. It's a show about optimism. Yes. Uh, which, and you're and you you're pessimistic. I'm quite a cynical, pessimistic person, but I'm also sick of that. The thing that's pushed me forward is 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 that, is that cliche again. Is is my kids and mm-hmm. and you've got to think about them and their future and what you so you know cynicism is is not uh is not an option anymore. It doesn't. It's help. not helpful. Yeah. It's not motivating. It doesn't do anything, and it's actually annoying. So the journey towards optimism is it started with my, when my children were born, and so it continues. Did it really? Yeah. That totally. Must, but that must have been fucking great. I mean, apart from the sleep deprivation and not having a life, there's been nothing <laughs> negative about having two my children. <laughs> they've 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 transformed me. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a much nicer person now, I think. And I'm, I'm a much healthier person and yeah. a much calmer person. Yeah. And my priorities have changed. And comedy, it's not that comedy means less. 
but it's not the most important thing in my life. I think my that, children are. Yeah, it means comedy means the most that it's meant to mean. I, th- I think that's it. It's that work-life balance, isn't it, where you kind of, it has to fit against the rest of the life. But that is, that weirdly, that's a tricky one. If you're doing kind of arenas, it is quite hard to then come home and watch telly. And then you have to realise, this is real. That was nonsense. I, I mean, that that climb down, that that's going to take some time if you're doing a tour. I think that yeah. might take a few months to climb down from that. Yeah, and I remember, I remember the first time I did the O2, my wife just said, how did it go? And I was like, wait, we're a bad idea. Did <laughs> <laughs> you watch TV? Only if you hold the remote. <laughs> um, yeah, it was fucking great. Mate, I loved that. That was so, I really enjoyed doing this podcast because it, do you know what it replicates for me? It replicates. Remember the car journeys we would yeah. do when we were all younger? This feels like a car journey where there's somebody going, right, five things you love, five things you love, and we'll talk about those. Yeah. And then you don't see that person for five, six, seven, 10, yeah, yeah. 15 years, whatever. Yeah. And then you see them and you go, oh, right. I guess we're just picking yeah, up from those where... things. Yeah, I'm, yeah. In, I'm into swimming now and I've got kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I like the way something smells. I'm not saying I'm doing arenas. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> but I loved it. It was so amazing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the wonderful Jen Brister. So that was Jen. She's on tour now. You can find out more and get tickets by visiting her website, jenbrister.co.uk. Join us next week. We'll have another guest. They'll be slinging things in their box. Better way of putting in than that. But you know the format by now. I'm not not forcing celebrities to... See you next week.